Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. I'm glad that Jesus is able this morning. And uh, He is able, whatever your need might be, He's able to meet the need of your life. And uh, primarily this morning, your greatest need is not... uh, that bill that you don't know how you're going to pay or your primary need is not the health struggle that you might be facing uh, while he can help you with those things. He is a loving and a caring Savior, but your greatest need is, is a Savior. Your greatest need is forgiveness of your sin, and he's the only one that can help you with that this morning. So run to him. For all your, for your needs, you run to Christ Jesus. And uh, I hope that the song mentioned him as a, as a dearest friend, and I hope that you know him in that personal way today that you know him as your personal, personal Savior. And uh, if you don't, our study in Galatians may help you with that. So if you will, this morning, I'll ask you to turn there with me as we continue uh, studying through this book written by Paul. And we're in chapter number 3, and this morning we will read verses 10 through verses 14. As you find your place, I'll ask if you will to stand with me this morning in honor and reference to the word of the Lord as we read. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. The Bible says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith." Lord, we come before you today, God, and we need, we need your help, Lord. We need you to work within our hearts, God, because, Lord, I can't change anyone's life. Lord, I can't help anyone to uh, go forth and, and make their heart any different than what it was, but, Lord, you can. And, uh, Father, we want to come to you this morning recognizing how insufficient we are, Lord, how unable we are to do anything meaningful this morning, God, and look to you for help, look to you for grace, Lord, that our lives might be transformed God, that we might leave here today and live out your truth, apply your truth to our life, God. I pray that you'd make it the meditation of our heart. Lord, help us, help it to consume our mind as we leave here, Lord. Help it not to be a situation where we leave and, God, forget about everything that we said or heard during the service. But, Lord, I pray that you would use it to stir our minds, to move us to action, to repent. God, whatever the needed action is, God, help us to respond to your word this morning in obedience and in submission. Lord, if there's someone here today that's lost, God, I pray for them. Pray that they would hear the message of the text that, Father, by the law shall no flesh be justified. God, all that are under the law are cursed. But, Lord, there's hope in Christ. There's hope in the cross. And, Lord, we rejoice in that today. And I pray that some lost soul might put their hope in that and experience the victory only that only comes through Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for standing this morning. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. And it's referring to God. And I want you to think about that truth 
from that verse for just a moment and the importance it gives to faith. Without it, it is impossible, absolutely impossible to please God. You will never do anything that amounts to anything with God outside of faith. You can never do anything to please God without faith. It is impossible. Hear the certainty of that. There's no, there's no room for, for debate. There's no room for, for shift. There's no, there's no loopholes in that. It is impossible to please God without faith. The need of faith in our life cannot be overstated. And in that text in Hebrews chapter number 11, of course, a familiar passage. A lot of people know it as the hall of faith or uh, the wall of faith, however you want to, to consider it or remember that chapter. But Hebrews eleven six says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And then verse number 7 of that same passage speaks about Noah. It says there, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I read that this morning to you to point out that Noah's example helps us gain clarity as to what faith is, what true faith is. Noah was told to build an ark because, by God because God was going to destroy the earth through a flood. Noah had never seen rain, and it wasn't that the, the rain started the day after. Noah began to build the ark just as God had said to build it. By every specific dimension, by every material that God had given, Noah built the ark. For years, Noah didn't see any rain, didn't see any signs of flood. He just kept on building the ark because that's what God told him to do. To do. He built the ark knowing that God would be true to what he said. That if God said, I'm going to flood the earth, Noah knew that at some point in time, God was going to flood the earth. And if God said build an ark, then Noah said, I'm going to build an ark. And that is, that is faith, taking God at his word. It's the opposite of doubting God. It's just it's completely trusting God. In him. It's being confident in God and Him to do exactly what He said. Faith is laying hold of God and refusing to let go. It's laying hold of the promises of God and refusing to let go, even when they don't make perfect sense to your earthly mind. For Noah, if he went off logic, if he walked by sight rather than faith, he would have quit building a boat when he had never seen rain and seen no, saw no signs of a flood. Faith is embracing God rather than rejecting and denying Him. And like Hebrews 11, our text this morning here in Galatians and the whole book as a whole stresses the importance of this kind of faith, of taking God at His Word. And unfortunately, a lot of people in our world think that because God said so is an insufficient answer, that that's not good enough. We have, we have grown too smart to be sufficed by the answer, well, God said it was this way. But the reality is that is not an insufficient answer. Many feel that they're too smart to have faith, but I want you to know this morning that faith in God is always the best choice. It's not just a good choice. Faith is not something we just tack on to an upstanding life just to, you know, to complete it, to make it as polished as possible. No, putting your faith in God is the most important thing you will ever do. It is the only hope that you have. Without your faith in God, you are doomed. You have no other hope outside of Christ. 
And I know a lot of things happen in our world that discourage our faith. Uh, you walk outside of these walls and you see so much that's contrary to what God teaches us, so much that goes in the opposite direction of what God would we, we see in His Word as to how we should live and, and how things should be. And all that can discourage our faith. We go through things that we don't understand and storms that we don't understand why God would allow. And even that can begin to wear, wear at our faith. We see more people who have no concern for the things of God than we do people who do. So I want to encourage you and strengthen you in your faith this morning. Encourage you to remain anchored in the truth that God has given us. And for the person who has never put their faith in God, for the person who has never just clung to the Word of God and refused to let it go, I pray that God will use His Word this morning to show you the darkness in which you're living and bring you into His marvelous light. So first of all, look with me in verse number 10. The reason that faith is the most important thing in your life is because that you are justified through it or by it. Paul says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Everyone who thinks they can be good enough and everyone who thinks that they can earn God's favor need to hear verse number 10. If you want to seek righteousness through the law, you are embarking on a task that you cannot win. Everyone who seeks righteousness through the law is cursed. They are under God's condemnation. You deserve the penalty of God. And why, why is that? Why is that true to say? It's because you must keep the law in its entirety. We've talked about justified and what that means. That means innocent. That means that you stand before God as not guilty. And if you want that outside of Christ, if you want to try to attain that status, that justified status through the law, then you have to keep every single part of the law from the moment you are born to the moment you die. I read in one commentary there's some 600 laws. And to be justified in the sight of God through the law you have to keep all 600 to the T from the moment you're born to the moment you die. You cannot fail the law. If you live 95% of your life and you keep each aspect of the law, and I'm not saying anyone could do that. I'm just helping us understand the text by using a hypothetical situation. If you lived your entire life and you carried out 95% of the law and only with 5% of your life did you fail, Understand you are still cursed. You have still failed. You have still trespassed against God. And before God, you are no longer innocent. You are no longer guilt-free. This matter of righteousness is not, well, if I, if I live by the law with more than 50% of my life, meaning I only failed less than half, then I'm good. That's, that's not sufficient. You still stand before God as guilty. And that's why Paul says, if you are under the law, as many as are of the works, if you're trying to attain righteousness, justification in the sight of God by the law, you're under the curse. Because cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law. If you do not keep every single aspect of the law, you are still a failure. You are still impure. You are still not righteous. 
The point of the law is not for you and I to attain righteousness. The point of the law is not for you and I to be able to earn salvation. The point of the law is to teach us that we are not perfect. The point of the law is to drive us to Christ because we realize we can't keep it. The point of the law is for you and I to recognize that we are a sinner. The scripture declares that there's no reason to argue with God this morning. We're not wise to think to be so full of pride that we think we can get anywhere by our good behavior. So he says in verse 11, but no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. He says it is evident. It's clear. It's not something that should be hard to see. It's not something that should be difficult to understand. He says because the just shall live by faith. And remember the justification is what we need to be right with God. Justification is when God looks at us and says, innocent. That he gives the verdict as the judge is not guilty. That's justification. And if we want to live with him in eternity, we have to be justified. We have to be perfect. And no flesh will be that way by the law in the sight of God. But I kind of, my mind kind of got stuck on that phrase, in the sight of God. Because you know in the eyes of men... In the sight of men, you can earn justification a lot of times. Meaning in the sight of men, you, you, a lot of men would probably define you as innocent. A lot of men would probably look at your life and give the verdict as not guilty. They're a good person. If I, they, they'd give me the shirt off their back. They pay their tithes every Sunday. I can count on them. They're here. They're never into anything mischievous. In the eyes of men, you can probably earn justification. But that's not what matters. That's not important. The justification we need is in the sight of God. That when God looks at you, He would say not guilty. That He would say innocent. And the only way you can get, have that standing is by faith. The just shall live by faith. And that's why it says the law in verse number 12 is not of faith. If you're living by the law, then you're not living by faith. You're not trusting God, you're trusting yourself. You're trusting that you can do enough good things that you will be okay when all is said and done. Because if you're doing the law, then you're living in the law. There, you remember the Galatians, there was, there was somewhat of a mixture of law and grace. And Paul was showing there, there, it's not a combination. It's not a matter of putting your faith in Christ and then just to complete your salvation, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. He's saying you really you live by one or the other. Your hope is in one or the other. If you're trying to keep the law, then you're not living by faith. You're not trusting Christ. You're not wholeheartedly clinging to his promise. You're living by one or the other. And the just must live by faith. But then he goes on in verse 13 and 14. It says this, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Verse 13 is what God says that our faith must be in. I said that faith is, is, is taking God at His word. Faith is, is clinging 
to God? What is it God wants us to cling to? What, what word from God are we, to, are we supposed to take from Him? And verse 13 is the answer to that question, that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. Verses 10 through 12 are somewhat discouraging. You're cursed. Outside of Christ, you're cursed. You are under condemnation. You're under the wrath of God. You cannot be good enough. That's, that's the messages of verse 10 through 12. In your own self and in your own strength and in your own efforts, you are cursed. And then enters the beauty of verse number 13. That Christ hath redeemed us from the law. From the curse of the law. The word redeem means to buy, buy from. It means to buy by payment of a price to recover from the power of another. John MacArthur said that the word often spoke of buying a slave or a debtor's freedom. In other words, the picture is, is that of, of this word redemption is that you owe something to someone else. And then this third party steps in and buys your freedom. The Grace and Truth Study Bible said that this word would have reminded people of the Exodus, meaning that the Israelites were under the control, under the power of the Egyptians until God set them free. When they were set free, that's the idea of redemption. They were, they were set free from the power, the bondage, and the hold of the Egyptians. And specifically in reference, in the context of our passage, it speaks of Christ freeing men from the dominion of the Mosaic law at the price of his vicarious death. So Christ has bought you. He has delivered you from the condemnation that you were under. You were under the power of the law, and now you are not any longer under the law. You were cursed, and Christ stepped in, and he bought you. He released you from the power of that law that had stood over you and cried, Guilty, guilty, guilty. Christ bought you from the law, set you free from its bondage, and set you free from its power and the penalty that came along with it. And how did he do that? How did he redeem you? How is it that he brought me out so that I'm not under the law anymore, so that the curse that I was under is no longer over my head? He says he redeemed us being made a curse for us. That curse that was due to my name for sinning, for coming short of the glory of God, my Savior, my dear Redeemer, he took that curse and he bore it himself. As I've mentioned before, in God's holiness and in God's perfection, God couldn't just say, well, I'll just let Bradley go and we'll just, we'll just act like he never sinned. God could not do that. God is just. That's, that's injustice. I was, due, I was due punishment because I had sinned. So God couldn't just say, well, we'll, we'll just pretend like Bradley didn't sin and we'll just, we'll, we'll just go on about our day. God could not do that. So what happened? Christ became a curse for me. The perfect, sinless, spotless Son of God said, I will, be, I will be treated as a sinner so that He can be treated as righteous. That's what God has done for you. The beauty of the gospel that is in verse number 13 is just consumed my mind that Christ would do this for me and that I get to preach to you that Christ has done this for you. He became a curse so that I wouldn't have to be. The evidence of his cursing is in the fact that he hung on a tree. And that reference goes back to 
Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23, which says, If any man have committed a sin worthy of death, and he be put to death, and, and thou hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night upon the tree, but thou shalt in any wise bury him that day. For he that is hanged is accursed of God, that thy land be not defiled, which the Lord God giveth thee for an inheritance. Christ, Jesus, literally took your sin, your curse, the condemnation that was due to you for sinning and said, I'll bear it for them. So that now instead of being condemned by the law, we're no longer under its power. Again, you think of that, that illustration of, of the Egyptians set free from Egypt's bondage. The way that we were under the, the curse and the bondage of the law because of Jesus, we're free now. We're free in Christ. We're no longer under the curse of the law. I like what the Life Application Study Bible said. It said, But Christ took the curse of the law upon Himself when He hung on the cross and died for our sins. He did this so we wouldn't have to bear our own punishment for violating God's law. God only requires us to accept Christ's death on our behalf as the means to being saved. So you are justified by faith. Meaning that you trust, you again, you cling wholeheartedly to this message that God has given you that Christ took the curse for you. I think of, I feel like I've read this illustration somewhere. If you were out in the ocean and you were stranded, the way that somebody might cling to a life raft that's the way you have to cling to God's truth, that you would refuse to let it go. That you, you hold it so tightly and completely cast yourself upon His promise. And he says that Christ did this so that the blessing of Abraham, remember he had talked about that in verses 6 through 9, especially verse number 8, saying where God had promised Abraham that in him all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so he says that that blessing or the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That blessing that God spoke of came into the world through Christ. People are not blessed just simply by being of the lineage of Abraham. People do not enjoy justification just by being of the lineage of of Abraham. But this blessing has come on the Gentiles. That's us, unless you're of Jewish descent, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So faith is the most important thing in your life because you're justified by it, but also you receive the Spirit through it. And remember this morning that the Spirit is the evidence of our adoption by God to be made His sons and daughters. It's the indwelling Spirit, and it's the evidence that we have eternal life and are part of the body of Christ. I read this last week in Romans 8 9. It says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So if you do not have the promise of the Spirit, you're not Christ. And how do you receive the Spirit? How do you get the Holy Spirit? You receive it by faith. I enjoy reading Charles Spurgeon's books and, and sermons and 
He just had such a powerful way of saying things. He could say stuff in a sentence, and it would, it would consume your mind for, for a long time after you set his book down. Stuff I've read from him that I still remember from years back because he just had a way with words. So I enjoy reading him. But I've always noticed in a lot of his sermons that he would preach, and he said this often, he would say quite regularly, he would say, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And as we stand together this morning, Miss Tamara, if you and uh, Mark don't mind to come around, that is faith. Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.